Allison had been looking forward to her birthday for weeks. She had her cake all picked out. It was going to be rainbow chip with pink and purple frosting. She had invited as many friends as her mom and dad would allow. And of course, she spent most of her time on the very important part of planning a birthday. That's the birthday wish list, right? And she felt like it was a really good list, a good balance of playthings and clothes and accessories. But this year, she was going to be a little more bold. Even though she knew it was too expensive and it wasn't practical and mom and dad had already nicely told her a couple of times no, she decided that she was going to put that very special gift on the bottom of her list. So Allison's birthday came. Every friend she invited was there. The cake was magnificent. It was yummy. There was a big pile of presents. It was just a great day. And even though that that one very special gift was not on that pile, she was so happy. But then a surprise came, and you can probably guess what it was. Dad came out carrying this perfectly wrapped gift, and it was the one. That too expensive, that not practical, that impossible request. And tears started to roll down her cheeks as she held that special gift in her hand. And she said, this is mine? Now fast forward a couple of weeks, and Allison had a a friend over for a sleepover. And it was a good night. They were sharing laughs, sharing stories, sharing their clothes, sharing secrets. Just a great night. Until Allison's friend saw that very special gift that she had received for her birthday, and, and she wanted to hold it. And everything changed. Allison thought, Who does she think she is to ask that? How dare she? And so she grabbed that special gift and said very snarkily, This is mine. Do you see what's the same in these two situations? Both times, Allison said the same phrase. Three simple words. This is mine. But they weren't really the same at all, were they? One time she said it with humility and thankfulness, and the other time she said it with haughtiness and entitlement. Very different, right? This is mine. Now, I made up those situations, but the struggle is real, isn't it? I think everybody struggles with those three words. This is mine. How do we say that? I bring that up because as we get into God's word now, as we come to God's house, we hold in our hands a truly very special gift. It's the mercy of Jesus. And it is so special that it does stir emotion in us, so much emotion that that we want to say the same thing. This is mine. But how do we say that? Do we say it? thankfulness and humility, or do we say it with haughtiness and entitlement? Today, we pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts so that we're able to 
have the right attitude toward and, and the right usage of that phrase, Jesus' mercy is mine. How do we say that? This lesson of Jesus and the Canaanite woman really helps us put focus on how we say that. You know that there are times in your life where things are just overwhelming and you feel like you need to get away, right? That's really what was going on in, in Jesus' life at this time in Matthew 15. Jesus had been around crowds, which he loved. You know he had compassion on the crowds, but they all had this misunderstanding of who he was and why he came. And at this time, they were trying to make him this kind of earthly leader so that he could do all these miracles for them and they would be set for life. More than that, right before this, he had had some very tense exchanges with the religious leaders. They were dismissive of any claims of his to be the Messiah and they were... Accusing him of being a sinner himself. So Jesus just needed to get away. Where do you go to get away? Generally, we go up, right? Little change in altitude to change the attitude, right? So we go up, and and Jesus kind of did the same, not up in altitude, but up on the map. And I want to show this because I think this is important. So it says, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. You see that on the top of the map? Maybe you're not really familiar with the Israel geography of the Bible, still present day really, but you see Jerusalem on the bottom. You hear a lot about Jerusalem. You hear a lot about Galilee and Nazareth in the north. So that was all Israel. But what do you notice about Tyre and Sidon? If you go up, it's out of Israel, right? It's, it's out of Israel. Well, that was very interesting to Jesus and, and his disciples. It's interesting because um, this was the land of the Canaanites. And, and again, maybe that word doesn't mean much to you, but basically the Canaanites, for the Israelites, were these people. They were, they were a warring people in their history. They were people who worshipped false gods. They were an idolatrous nation. And, and Israel struggled with this, with the Canaanites physically and spiritually, their entire history. And so it's really odd that Jesus would go to that region among those people, among the foreigners, to get away from it all. I just think it's important to get into the disciples' mindset, to to put yourself in their sandals as this is happening. What were they thinking? Well, they were thinking like this, that the promises of the Savior were given first to the, the Jewish nation. Jesus himself was born a Jewish man. Jesus called Jewish men to be his disciples. And Jesus did most of his work in Jewish territory, in Israel. But now, they're going outside of all of that, right? To people who didn't look like them, people who didn't talk like them, or act like them, or or think like them. What did Jesus think was going to happen? Well, it did happen. They had an interaction. So this Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And true to form, the disciples, they came and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. You see what the disciples were were thinking there? Here's this person 
trying to ask something of our Jesus. And she's not just asking something. She's asking for something big. How about a miracle, Jesus? But it's even more than that. Notice what she called Jesus. She used a name for the Savior that was very precious to the Israelite people, the Son of David. Can't you just understand why the disciples were urging Jesus, send her away? It just wasn't that she was annoying. It wasn't even just that she was a foreigner to them. She had triggered them using this name. Basically, what I'm getting at is this. The disciples were saying, hey, this mercy of Jesus this is mine. Now, they weren't wrong, right? I I said before that the promises of the Savior initially came to and through the Israelite people, the Jewish people. But do you know who else knew that? The Canaanite woman knew that too. And so it sets up this stark contrast between the disciples and their attitude toward Jesus' mercy and the Canaanite woman and her attitude toward Jesus' mercy. And Jesus sees this and he so skillfully uses it to teach the disciples, to strengthen the Canaanite woman. He now voices what was in the disciples' hearts. And so that's why you hear these strange words from Jesus. He replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. To which she replied, Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Do you understand the exchange here? The Canaanite woman is saying to Jesus, I totally agree. Yes, I'm an outsider. Not just in my nationality. I'm an outsider in my sin. But that's why I'm coming to you, Lord. That's why I'm asking for something very specific, for mercy. For just a crumb that I know that I don't deserve, but I know that you are so happy to give. Just trying to get you to feel what this woman was feeling. The humility, the acknowledgement, the thankfulness for who Jesus was and what he came to do. This woman said it too, but very differently. This mercy of Jesus, this is mine. Wow, what great faith. They both use the same words, but it's very different, wasn't it? Both the disciples and the Canaanite woman grabbed onto Jesus' mercy as though it was theirs personally, and that's a good thing. But without humility and repentance and, and gratitude for what mercy really is, and that is the undeserved gift of God's loving kindness, the disciples slipped into the thinking that Jesus' mercy was theirs exclusively. And that's the difference, right? It's good to rejoice that Jesus' mercy is mine personally, but it's just as good to rejoice that it's not mine exclusively. It's for each. It's for all. And that was the valuable lesson that Jesus taught his disciples and and that woman that day. Our church body has a a publication, a magazine that comes out every, every month. It's called The Forward in Christ. And very often in that magazine, it will highlight uh, mission work that's being done throughout the world. And, and so you'll page through the magazine and you'll see pictures like this 
of a mission work that's going on in Africa. And I don't know about you, but when I see stories like this, read stories like this, where you see the, the effect of the gospel in the world, I get, I get fired up. I mean, it's easy to see that these people don't look like me and they don't talk like me and they don't act like me and probably think like me, but the mercy of Jesus, man, it's easy to look at this picture and jump up and shout out, yes, Jesus' mercy is for all. This is awesome. And I think we'd all agree with that. But I wonder, I wonder if it's easy to say that when the differences are distant, right? When they're distant. What happens when the differences hit a little closer to home? What happens when the differences aren't in a magazine, but they're all up in your business? What about that neighbor that annoys you? What about that coworker who's always running your mouth? What about that, that person in, in your school who just makes your life miserable, harassing you? What about the, the violent, hateful, destructive people you see on the news? What about that person on social media that always is posting or sharing or liking something that infuriates you because you can't figure out why somebody would think like that. (laughs) Do you pray for them? Do you take a deep breath? Share Jesus with them? Would that person be the focus of our outreach here at Peace? Would you stand up with me right now and say, yes, Jesus' mercy is for all, even for that person? Or is it easier to kind of, you know, have this attitude that they're outsiders? Would, would you kind of want to join the disciples, take Jesus aside quietly and say, send them away? This mercy of Jesus, this is mine. Right. Dear friends, I, I am speaking to my heart first. But when we say that, no, first of all, it's, it's true. Each one of us can say, Jesus' mercy is mine. But I'd like you to think about it in a little different way today. Think about what you're saying. What is yours? It's, it's Jesus' mercy, right? Mercy. If there's any word that could get us to think, it, it, it ought to be that one, right? Mercy ought to bring to mind our sinfully annoying habits and all the ways that we infuriate God because he can't figure out why we keep doing those things and the the violence and the destruction that lurks in our own hearts. But that's just it, right? It's, what is it? It's mercy. Even though each one of us is an outsider because of our sins, even though we haven't done anything before God to change that or to make him love us, he does. Because that's who God is. He is mercy. He is love. Are your sins forgiven? Is your shame covered by the blood of Christ? Are you God's child? Are all of God's promises true for you every single day? 
Are you going to spend an eternity with Jesus in heaven? Yes, absolutely, because Jesus died on the cross for you. And Jesus rose from the dead for you. And Jesus calls you in baptism. And in, in, in Holy Communion, He reminds you of His mercy. And in your word, He draws near to you. What mercy! And this mercy of Jesus, you can say it. This mercy of Jesus is mine. But now let that, let that help you experience what a difference it makes with, with humility and repentance and true gratitude for what mercy really is. That it's this undeserved gift of God's loving kindness. Rejoice not only that it's yours, it's not yours exclusively, but it's for each. It's for all. That is an attitude that Jesus' mercy creates in us. Yes, it's mine personally, but it's not mine exclusively. And I guess that's the point I want you to take home today. This isn't just a truth that we nod our head to in worship. Right? We would all agree with this, but we can put this into practice this week. I guarantee you that, that these few minutes that we've been talking about this, this isn't going to change the people that you're going to interact with this week. Right? It's not. that People still might annoy you and might still run their mouths and, and, and do all these things. That, that, and the temptation is going to be what? That you're going to get frustrated again and you're going to get infuriated and you're going to be disappointed. That isn't probably going to change the differences in other people. But what can Jesus' mercy change? It can change you. The way that you think, the way that you speak, the way that you act, rather than dismissing that person as an outsider, can you engage in a conversation with them like Jesus did with the Canaanite woman? Can you shift the way that you see them and see them as a soul for whom Jesus died on the cross? Can you speak with forgiveness and faith? Can you act with mercy and grace the way that Jesus does to you? And if you do... How amazing would it be that one day Jesus would look at that person and say the same thing he did to the Canaanite woman. Wow! What great faith. That's really the point of it all, isn't it? I think it's interesting that as, as you have, for children, one of the first words that they, they use is the word mine. Right? It's pretty universal. You can almost picture a toddler right now, right? Holding something. Mine. My kids were no different. Um, and I won't single out which one because they're not here. Uh, but one of them, uh, mine wasn't possessive enough. My one child would add an apostrophe S to the mine as well. That's mine's. So it was like super theirs. Really theirs. It's kind of cute, but I also think that that's an okay attitude to have toward Jesus' mercy. I want each and every one of you to know that Jesus' mercy is yours personally. But I want you to appreciate it in such a way that you also know it's not yours exclusively. And I pray that each of us has the same attitude of Jesus, that we want everyone everywhere to say the same thing. Jesus' mercy 
is mine. Amen.